okay? You know, first I want to say thank you to all of you who stayed who didn't have to stay. Um, but what I'm going to talk to you today about is the day was Friday, April 21st, 1967, and it was in Oak Lawn. I was supposed to make my confirmation at the Catholic school there, St. Gerald's. I hopped into the shower and I thought, okay, time to, you know, get ready for my confirmation. And all of a sudden there was this, this banging on the bathroom door like, get out now. And I, I thought to myself, I haven't been here that long. I don't know what's going on. So all I could do, I was 12 years old, was throw on a robe. There was missing quite a few of the buttons, too, I might add. <laughs> and I got dragged out of the bathroom. We didn't have, we didn't have a lower, we lived in a, what was known as a raised ranch. It was a big rectangle. We were off of 91st, 92nd in Cicero, across the street from the Oak Lawn Roller Rink. And I remember being told, you need to get downstairs, but I didn't understand why, and I said, I, I don't have my shoes. I have a fixation, I have to have my shoes. Nobody would let me go back and get my shoes, and the next thing you know, we're being huddled under, it was a countertop in the bathroom that my dad never got around to finishing, but we were glad because it, it, a lot of us were able to huddle under there. I don't remember what happened. I, I, I know that a lot of my family got stuck on the stairs trying to get to the first level, which was my mom, my youngest brother, my grandmother, the sponsor for my confirmation, her mother, and they were all caught on the stairs. All of them were very badly injured. My youngest brother, who was only in second grade at the time, got caught on the stairs, and he was still, the tornado took him almost two blocks away. And they found him at the McDonald's. If, ever, if anybody still lives in Oak Lawn around the area, there's a McDonald's at 91st and Cicero. And they found him in that parking lot, still with a piece of the wrought iron railing from our staircase. And you know what? Not a scratch on him. He was absolutely fine. He's still bothers me today with stuff. So he, no, he, was, he was good. I don't recall how how long we were under that counter. I don't know if it was a minute. I don't know if it was an hour. I just knew that I was having trouble breathing and I was trying to scream. I was in a lot of pain. I didn't know at that time what, what it was, but I just remembered that I started to scream to my dad yelled back at me, stop screaming and start praying. Nothing is, is lodged in my memory with getting dug out of our home. This is an aerial shot that was in the newspaper. Um, you can see the front sidewalk. You can, see, you can see a car, which was not our car. We don't know where that came from. Our car is still under the rubble. This was a two-story house, yes, that, that, that we had to get pulled out of. Um, I still remember that the first time I woke up, it was at Christ Community, well, they called it Christ Community Hospital at the time. It was Christ Hospital. I remember seeing my mom's face, and I, and I just told her I couldn't breathe. I didn't know what was going on. She was so badly injured, but all she cared about was that she got a doctor to find out why I couldn't breathe. Spending time at Christ Hospital that night as a 12-year-old was really something that never leaves you. Um, there were lots of men in dark uniforms going up and down the hallways. 
they were cleaning up all the blood and other liquids that were all over the place. There were nurses and doctors in the hallway, just everybody was running. And the one thing I noticed was there were so many people on roller skates. And I had no idea at the time. I, we just thought, wow, this is a really efficient way for everybody to get around. But it was not. It was the roller rink had been hit. And so those were people, adults and children, who were brought over to Christ. And they probably didn't have any other shoes either, which I still didn't have any shoes, which I didn't like that. The next morning, I was still having trouble breathing. There was a family who came and got us from the hospital, my brothers, and, and brought us to their house to go stay there. I still was having trouble breathing. We still didn't know what was going on. My dad took me back to the hospital the next day, and we turned out it was, I had some broken ribs, bones, I, it, whatever. But I remember we stopped by to take a look at the house, and we had to get through the National Guard in order to get to our house. And we were standing in front of there just staring at this pile. And I, of course, in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, where are my shoes? I, I still don't have, you know, I still don't have any. I'd, somebody gave me flip-flops maybe. But I remember a little boy walked up to my dad, and he handed him, it was either a pen or a pencil, that he was like, here, I found this, so that it was he was giving us back something. And I... I also remember looking over and seeing my dad started to cry. I didn't realize at the time my parents were just in their 30s. I mean, you know, so that this was, there's this man looking and thinking, okay, now what? I have to start over. And the only other time I'd ever seen him cry was when his dad passed away. But one of the things that made it out of that house with minimal damage was a plaster statue of Mother Cabrini. It had been given to my mother by her grandmother, and so it had been passed down to the generations, and guess what? I'm going to be giving it to my daughter soon. It, she lost the tip of her nose, and that was it. And we thought, how could a plaster statue, when an entire brick home is gone, where the lower level collapses and the upper level is blown all over? As a matter of fact, I know this isn't even on my... My dad, years and years later, received a phone call from a woman who was gardening in the state of Indiana. And when she, when she hit the, um, her little tool, I don't garden, so I'm sorry, I don't know what the name, shovel, little mini shovel, into, the, into the, the ground, she hit something metal. And it was the front of a piece of my dad's bowling trophy. And it had said his name, and it said Oak Lawn Bowl. So she contacted the bowling alley who contacted my dad. So a piece of his bow, so that means the top part of our house flew everywhere. And my shoes were in my bedroom, so I'm sure somebody got my shoes. <laughs> but I looked at all that, and I, we also, neighbors had told us that the elderly woman living in the home, after the tornado hit, she looked out the window, and all she could think was, now, why did Lou leave his alcohol bottles all over the curb? Those did not break either. So everything else is broken. Everything else is demolished. She hadn't even realized the tornado. She didn't even realize that the house was gone. She just saw the bottles of booze lined up <laughs> along the curb. But I remember that it was finally time for me to go back to school. We were living all over the place. I was at my grandmother's, my my. My mom was still in the hospital. I don't even know where my dad was living. I keep forgetting to ask him. He was probably just at the hospital with my mom. But I remember when it was time for me to go back to school, 
My classmates took up a donation, a collection, and they gave my dad $100. And if you go back to the 60s, that was, it, that was a lot of money. And there was a store that people would remember called EJ Corvettes that used to be at 87th and Cicero. You could buy everything at Corvettes. He got me, I got shoes. <laughs> I, but I had, I had no, I mean, if you think about anything that you've ever owned, I had, I had nothing but that robe, and then what miscellaneous people did give me some stuff. A family who, some friends of my family's took us in so that we could be together because we were all split up for so long. I often wondered if she ever regretted because I couldn't handle the wind. And every time the wind, again, I was in sixth grade, um, every time it, it got windy, the front door would slam, I would throw up all over her house, and I'm sure after a while she was like, someone get this kid out of here because I have to keep cleaning up after her. But in those days there was no counseling, there was nobody to talk to, and I didn't know anybody else who had gone, who had gone through what we went through, so there was no one. And my friend, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have cell phones, there was no internet. So when anybody who were my good friends, everybody was gone. And one of the women who was really good friends in, in grade school, her name is Patty Kolb. And Patty's dad was the mayor of Oak Lawn, not at the time. But Patty remembered that her best friend was gone. She had no way to contact me either. We moved to another, once my mom finally got out of the hospital, which was months and months later, we moved to another part of Oak Lawn. I finally was able to go back to school. And I remember it was Covington School, and that school is still there. Um, the band, there were some band members who played the tune of Hello, Dolly, but it was Hello, Jody, and Jody will never blow away again. And it really, it, it really stuck with me. Um, it was good to be back in school, even though I couldn't stay at that school. My parents ended up buying another home. Um, I started seventh grade in a new school. It was all new people, but it did not take long for those people to learn that me and that me and my brothers were ooh, tornado survivors. How did they know this? Well, anytime it was going to rain, we had to leave school. The patrol boys, this was humiliating when you're in seventh grade, and the patrol boys have to come and get you and take you home. You have to go sit in your basement where there's blankets, there's food, there's a transistor radio, there's all kinds of stuff, until the storm passes. And we had to do that all the time with my mom. She would be down there with us. And I always used to be really upset with my mom, thinking all these restrictions and, you know, how come I can't go anywhere when it's going to rain? And then it dawned on me. My mom was 32 years old when her entire family was buried under a house and she had no clue who's dead, who was alive. Because they came across, they got, found her first. Her injuries were mostly from a dresser that had landed right outside the garage on her. And when they came finally and told her and they said, we have, we have everyone, we have 10 people. And my mom, who was like, she required stitches all over her body. She had so many surgeries, she had so many broken bones. And she looked at them and she said, no, there were 11 people in that house. They, the volunteers went back to the house, started digging through, and I was the one they couldn't find, which I couldn't understand. If we started together under a counter, 
How come everybody else could be found? Well, that was, they couldn't find me. It was that time when I finally had children that I said, I will never, I will not do this to my kids. I will not make them afraid. And I will learn to go outside in a thunderstorm. Um, but I understood more what my mom had been through. So I understood her concern that in one fell swoop, she almost lost her entire family. Same goes, I'm sorry, I hit something, didn't I? I don't know. Um, she made it clear to them that they were not to take, they were going to take me, the VFW Hall in Oak Lawn, like off of 95th Street, they were turning that into a temporary morgue. They told my mom I did not make it. So I, they were going to take me to the morgue. She would not hear of it. Nope, she's going to the hospital. You're t I don't even know how we got there. I just know there were volunteers, a lot of volunteers. They put us into a room, lots of other children, lots of things going on. There was a man in that, in that room by my mom who had a two-by-four through his shoulder, and he just kept screaming, it's raining in my mouth. Somebody help me, it's raining in my mouth. So you witness all these things, and, you, and you're still not quite understanding it, and it was like years later that, that all of a sudden there's these tornado warnings, and you think, oh, I'm not in the same, you know, they, like it can't strike twice in the same place. And then I think, how does it know? God bless you. How does it know I'm not, I'm not in the same place, but how does it know who's going to, I don't, so I still think that there's times that it could, it could happen. I swore I wasn't going to do that to my children, and I really didn't, totally, but when my son got invited to a party at uh, Hollywood Park in Crestwood, I called ahead. You know, do you guys know there's a storm? There's a thunderstorm. It could turn into tornadoes. Do you have a place to send these kids? And they did. My son went. I let them go out. I let them live their lives, but they had to keep checking in with me if only if there was a storm. These days, I'm a whole lot better. I react differently. Sometimes I could be in the middle of a thunderstorm and I'm really calm. Other times I'm a complete lunatic. Just ask my husband because I will call him on the phone and say I'm on the highway. They're saying Northwest Indiana is under tornado, you know, warnings. They've been sighted. Don't I can't pull off to the side of the road. Nobody will see me. I'm stuck. I can't see, you know, one of those. So other but other times I'm okay with it. Actually, I wanted to be a meteorologist. So after going through all this, I decided I'm going to protect everybody else from the evils of tornadoes, and I'll be a meteorologist. So we had a little staircase, because we never, I don't have houses anymore without basements. And under the basement stairs was a little, I don't know, my dad built this little thing, and we used to how, keep the vacuum cleaner in there. Well, they moved the vacuum cleaner out so that I could put up all these pictures of clouds and storms, and I was going to, you know, warn the world of every impending storm. I've changed, obviously, I did not become a meteorologist. But what we kind of learn is I have this obsession with containers. And somebody told me, and she shall remain nameless, that my obsession with the containers, and it has to have, my containers have to have lids, is that because I lost everything, every piece of clothing, every artifact, every photograph, every toy, every, we lost everything, that I think that if I put my stuff in a container, and it has a lid on it, it's going to be safe. Nobody can ever take that away from me. Then again, it, I don't know. I have so many containers at home, I don't even have things to put in all of them. Um, 
today I'm okay. I watch the weather forecast and I take them seriously and I think everyone should take them seriously. It was my sixth grade science teacher who just, just months before this tornado hit, we asked her, could a tornado ever hit in the Chicago area? And she said, no. There's, and I thought, oh, she's right. There's too many tall buildings. And besides, we're so close to the lake. A program that was done on public radio a few years ago for Curious City, um, I was actually interviewed for that program because they found my oral history from 20 years ago at the Oak Lawn Library. Dispelled that myth and told people why that, is, that just is not true anymore. So it was really engaging to learn and I hope that nobody keeps, I hope everybody keeps it in their mind that tornadoes can happen in this area that are closer to the lake. We know about Plainfield, we know about all those other towns. And every time I see that on the news, I want to get in my car and I want to go drive and help them because I know what they're going through that you stand and stare at all this and you have to start over again. And that's exactly what we did. But the one thing I also do is I never go barefoot. Always have my shoes. I, I, that bothered me, and I will always wear my shoes. And you should too, because if you have to run, you need to have shoes. Any questions? <laughs> that's it.